Hello, we're the team at GrizzHacks, and I'm your host this week, Shriyash Shalokar. Every episode, we'll be spending 20-something minutes with an alum, maker, engineer, or prominent individual in our community. They'll share their insights and advice from their career path in order to help you navigate your future. If you're new here, be sure to follow us on social media at Grizz Tech Talks, and also subscribe to our podcast on your app of choice to stay up to date whenever we release a new episode. Today, we'll be speaking with Min Kim. Min graduated from Villanova University with a degree in economics and psychology. She's a former New Yorker turned San Francisco-based investor at Bloomberg Beta, an early-stage venture capital firm investing in the future of work. At Bloomberg Beta, she focuses on automation, productivity tools for knowledge workers, and robots. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy. And we're live. Min, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. How are you doing today? I'm well. Uh, This brings me back. I actually used to work, um, I used to make a podcast with a friend of mine back in New York. And so um, I'm excited to see that that it continues, that the podcast train continues. (laughs) Yeah, it's become, I feel like it's become a very recent trend in terms of like, especially in the past year, a lot of creators and just like people have started making podcasts, which is really awesome to see. Totally. Um, cool. Well, I'd love to start off um, the episodes I host by, by letting my guests sort of tell their own story. So for the people tuning in, um, who is Min Kim? <laughs> sure. It feels like I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. That introduction <laughs> was so kind. Um, and let's see. Um, well, my name is Min. I am an investor at an early stage venture firm today. I'm based in San Francisco. And, um, you know, like I said, like, like you said, I do focus on workflow automation and um, productivity and machine learning um, and a variety of things that we call kind of within the umbrella of the future of work. And that seems like a very pr- uh, top of mind topic these days because of how we've all had to shift how we work. And I remember um, a little bit about how I ended up here is probably helpful, which is I've been doing, I've been doing um, venture investing for the last three years. And before this, I actually lived in New York and I did a very different job. I used to work um, in corporate development, which is largely like when you work with internal business stakeholders to identify what might be potential um, partnership opportunities or acquisition opportunities. And I was doing that mostly in the financial services industry. And so I actually knew very little about startups and venture um, prior to actually doing this job. Um, But the thing that I did love, and maybe this is interesting for those of you who are listening, which is um, I used to just spend all my free time going to different meetups and trying to learn about products that I thought were really cool. And so I did this frankly, pretty naively and purely because I was curious about, oh, um, who builds like Twitter, right? Like who makes this stuff? Um, And like, why did they make it this way? And so I would literally go to meetup.com, which coincidentally, I did not know was a Bloomberg beta portfolio company. Really? Um, I didn't know that either. (laughs) Yeah. And so small world, right? And But I would literally be going to meetup.com and just like scouring what's going on on a certain day and then picking the thing that looked kind of like the most interesting, like RSVPing and just like showing up and then um, kind of talking to different people. And that's how I ended up getting uh, introduced, I think, to like what we now call like the startup scene. Right. And so that's kind of how it all started. 
that's that's so awesome. Um, so going back a bit, um, what was what was sort of your college experience like? Like what led you? Like were you attending these meetups while you were in college? Um, I wish, I wish. Um, so <laughs> I I am a very proud alumna of Villanova University, awesome. which is a small small ish. Um, Augustinian, it's like a Catholic institution right outside of Philadelphia. And funnily enough, I actually totally ended up there, um, like at the at the recommendation of my guidance counselor in high school, because before then I had never heard of the school, heard, heard of the school. And um, when I got there, you know, I, I am Korean. And so I did grow up in a household that like really uh, emphasized like the importance of education and also um, more quote unquote, like standard career paths, like going to become a doctor or a lawyer. Um, and the thing is, like, after about my freshman year, I was like, pretty certain I was like, I don't, that's not that's not what I'm going to end up doing. Um, and I had spent most of my upbringing, actually, as a competitive mu musician. And so um, that was something that uh, I think really shaped my work ethic. And then when I got to college, I was so curious to do to take everything. And so I took everything, literally everything from like um, philosophy to theology to like mathematics and chemistry. Um, and, and then I ended up kind of stumbling into what ended up becoming my major, uh, which was economics um, with like a minor in math. And it was largely influenced by my professor who taught me game theory and she was amazing. So actually in looking back, it's one of those things where I think certain majors will prepare you best if you you know want to go be a software developer at Google, then it probably behooves you that you studied computer science um, or something related. Uh, I kind of stumbled into my career. Um, and I think a lot of what I really value from my education was that like I learned um, like in, how to like intuit things. That's awesome. And, and very cool that you did a double major as well. Um, so when it came time to sort of search for a job after after you graduated college, um, what sort of um, led you to, to pick the job that you did? Um, do you have any advice for anyone who's who's currently trying to navigate that whole landscape, um, especially considering the current you know pandemic yeah. situation and everything? I mean, I actually. Well, first of all, I can't quite imagine what that's like right now to do all of your interviews and job applying, like everything being online. And so um, I imagine it is a little bit different, but I think if I were to reflect, the number one thing that I have prioritized around whenever I've made a decision around my career is like to find really good people that I want to like show up to work with. And I actually think that's probably even more important now in like this remote Zoom first world where um, at least before you had the benefit of like showing up to an office and you can kind of like bump into somebody enough times that maybe you become accidental friends um, versus in like a remote first world, you have to be very intentional about who you build relationships with. Absolutely. For me. Yeah. And so a lot of my job, like even when I would go on interviews, um, some of which went well, some of which like they don't. Right. And um beyond the substance of the conversation, there's an element of like, oh, is this somebody that I want to spend time with? Am I really excited or impressed or somebody that I think, um, especially earlier in my career, it was a lot of like, do I feel like I look up to this person? Got it, got it. So, so you pretty much just tried to, to surround yourself with those like mentors and from, from, from that, you, you found like the company that you wanted to work at? 
Yeah, I mean, let's see. So I ended up actually interning as like a data analyst um, the summer before my senior year. And um, I just adored the people that I worked with because they exposed me. I had never studied finance um, and the people around me were actually really, really smart about finance. And so they basically taught me everything. Like I had no conception of what the capital markets were. Um, and, um, and so when it came time to decide what I wanted to do after graduation, um, I had considered going into academia and like going to grad school. And then to be honest, like part of it was also, oh, you know what, like it's kind of nice to have a job. Um, and so I ended up returning to uh, taking my return offer. Um, and I was very explicit about wanting to go back to the same team because I wanted to continue working with the people that I had met. That's awesome. Um, and so, so you're now fast forward a few years, you're going to these meetups um, and, and building all these connections. What was your transition like into venture capital, especially not, you know, having worked in venture capital before, um, you know, especially considering that um, VC is a very hard industry to break into? It was probably a bit of a rude awakening, <laughs> to be honest. Okay. So I moved from New York to San Francisco. I'd never lived on the West Coast. And so consider this, right? It's like new job, new city, new social circle, all at the same time. Um, and I think that one of the amazing things about going into venture and like going into startups is that everyone is so open-minded and like very welcoming um, because the entire industry revolves around relationships and um, this, this ethos of giving before taking. And so um, in some ways it was, it was like a rude awakening only in the sense that it was like a lot of new at once, but I actually really enjoyed my first year of um, coming to the Bay Area and just literally going to random happy hours and meeting people. And then that per that person that you meet at some random happy hour happens to be somebody who knows somebody. And then they're like, oh, you should come to this dinner and you meet another person. And there's just like very open network um, that actually helped me a lot in that first year in building like new relationships. So actually that's a perfect segue into what I wanted to talk about next. Um, so what is Bloomberg Beta and what makes it different from other venture capital firms? So Bloomberg Beta is an early stage venture capital firm. And so we invest in very early stage startups um, and we've invested in, we've had the privilege of working with some amazing founders, um, companies that you may have heard of called uh, like Flexport, which is a shipping and logistics startup, um, Newfront, which is in the insurance industry. We just mentioned Meetup, um, but others also include like Codecademy. Um, if anybody is familiar with like coding, Replit is probably one that's become quite popular recently. What, what was anyway, it again? Replit. Replit. Interesting. Um, anyway, sorry. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, no, no, no. So if anybody wants to look, look it up, R-E-P-L.I-T. Oh, oh, and, yeah, yeah. I think I've heard it. Yeah. 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 And so we've been around for eight years now. We were founded in 2013. And um, um, what makes us different is a couple things. So we like, it's almost like religion in our, in our team culture, but um, there's this idea around like transparency and founders first, right? Like customer first. And so one of the amazing things about being at Bloomberg Beta is that we um, are a, uh, we are a single LP firm, 
which I don't know if anyone is like as familiar, but that means that we have one investor. Every venture firm has funds that other people invest in, right? And then we are now the stewards of that capital and we invested in early stage startups. Um, and actually, because, because we have one LP, it actually gives us um, a lot of opportunity to be able to like be very founder friendly. LP so, meaning? A limited partner. Got That's it, probably like more technically jargony than I needed to go, but but the the to answer great. your question, it is that we have a lot of um like we have a tremendous amount of respect for the people that we invest in and we want we see them as our customers. And so everything that we do, in some ways, like venture is like a sales job and a customer success job. Um, because a lot of it is like once you make that decision around who you want to support, um, like the whole job is focused on how do you make them successful? And and it's really enjoyable. And then the other part that makes us different, I think, is like we are zealots about transparency. What you were saying earlier about how venture can be a tough job to get into or an industry that doesn't seem quite as familiar, um, we want to break down those walls. And um, that's why we have our entire operating manual in terms of how we work, what we what we um, what we like to see in terms of what kinds of companies we want to invest in, um, the people that we work with already. That's like all available on our GitHub, um, which we did intentionally. So you can also see how things evolve over time. Unlike that's awesome. if you just had a website. Yeah, Bloomberg Beta is, I think, the only venture capital firm that I know of, at least that that has like a GitHub repository as like your uh, homepage, your website, which is really cool to see that, that radical transparency. Um, yeah. And I think it also allows people to opt in to like, it, allow, it allows us to present ourselves in a way that like, this is who we are. And then it allows founders to be able to say, oh yeah, these are people I want to work with, or you know what, like this might not align totally with me. Um, and that's okay. Like we do that intentionally. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, Bloomberg Beta focuses on startups and technology related to the future of work. Um, mm -hmm. How do you define the future of work? Because it seems like a, <laughs> a very broad um, category. And, and then, yeah. you know, second part of that question is like, what are some trends you see in, in that space? Sure, it is quite broad. To be fair, I think when we were founded and called our, and declared our thesis as the future of work, I think we may have been the first venture firm ever to do that. But obviously, fast forward seven, eight years now, and it is a fairly broad, broad um, thesis. And so the way I think about it is probably in like three, three big pillars. So there is kind of a core, what you call like um, enterprise SaaS businesses. Right. And so the way I see it is every organization um, has different functions. And so whether you work in marketing or you work in HR or finance, um, accounting, like each one of those roles has a set of uh, products and services that they use to be able to do their jobs effectively. And so we invest in like opportunities that um, products that serve those customers. And then the second pillar is kind of what we call um, uh in enabling technologies for older industries. And so, you know, we're in the Bay Area and so we are surrounded by technology companies, but actually there are tons of industries outside of the tech sector, right? Like manufacturing and real estate and um, shipping and logistics and all of these other industries that um, haven't quite yet adopted software tools, right? The, um, and so we invest in a lot of those kinds of companies that help 
those industries um, adopt software. And then the third kind of category is more around uh, like a knowledge worker tools. And so whether that is a collaboration app or a productivity or something that um, helps like remote workers collaborate more efficiently, um, developer tools and knowledge management, you know, um, the likes of a notion or, uh, or we were small investors in Slack before they went public. And so things like that. And then, and then the second part of your question around trends, um, I mean, if you combine all three of those pillars, there's like so much going on right now, right? Um, like every industry, every company, every workflow that everyone's having to shift how they used to work. And so let's see a couple core ones that I think are interesting is, I mean, one of the cool things around this whole low code, um, I, I hesitate because I think low like code no does, code. yeah, like no code, low code, play, mm -hmm. where you can like build things without having to write a tremendous amount of like uh, code. Mm -hmm. um, that continues to be a really interesting category for us, whether it is more um, uh, like building, being able to be a designer and being able to see how, without having to be a front end developer, like how do your designs actually like work if you were to deploy it um, on a mobile site or on a website, right? How did that, how does that look different? Um, so that's like continuing to be a big trend. I think that started a couple, several years ago, um, to be fair, with the likes of even like a Squarespace, right? That right. was technically like a no code platform to help you build websites. But I think it's increasingly become even more sophisticated so that you can even be um, like a marketer that builds like low code automations to be able to send email campaigns much more effectively. Mm -hmm. That's one. Um, there is an ongoing sense of what is this? I mean, we went remote, like everybody went remote last year, but eventually we'll, we're going to have to contend with this like hybrid workplace model. Right. And so what does that look like? Um, and that's both in an office and I think um, maybe relevant for the people listening, which is like also in schools. Right. Um, how do you, how do you like facilitate the sense of togetherness um, and presence when some of you are co-located and some of you aren't. And there's this element of like, if you're like a new grad who starts a job like tomorrow, right? And um, how do you benefit, how does an organization capture some of that ambient knowledge that just happens when you happen to be like hanging out at the kitchen together or mm -hmm. because you overhear your boss talking to somebody else about some project and then it gives you an opportunity to say oh that sounds really interesting like how do i get involved right how do you capture that and then share it out within within the rest of the organization so you continue to have these serendipitous moments and so i, I don't know exactly what that category would be called i've been taught i've been calling it like presence <laughs> um, that's interesting but yeah but like that seems still not quite figured out um but but whoever does one i would like to talk to them and two <laughs> um i think we're gonna see more of a bigger need for that once we start um once people start going back to the office more absolutely yeah i can i can definitely second that um you know because at my internship um you know, the first summer I was at the company, it was in person. And then, you know, the second summer, um, which was last summer, it was all remote. So I could see that lack of, you know, serendipitous moments. Um, so um, it'll be an interesting trend to watch for sure. Um, yeah. So what should students and recent grads know about like the future of work and how should 
students prepare um, themselves for an industry that that's going to dramatically change probably over the course of the next, you know, five, 10 years. Oh, gosh. So I'm thinking back and I wish that I had known to take advantage of all of this, like, knowledge that's on the web, even more than I did when I was in school, meaning um, it is so much not easier, but the, tr the, the trade craft of how to build something is like much more prevalent today than it was like four years ago, five years ago, whenever it was, right? And so um, if I were in school today, I would probably spend a lot of time just like finding excuses to like do projects with friends, um, whether it is like what you're doing, like built ready, making a podcast or building some like silly like music app, um, you know, uh, like building some low no code uh, website that, you know, um, sells like campus adorned socks or something like that, right? <laughs> right. Um, I don't know, like whatever it is, I think I would have spent more time doing some like projects outside of just the classroom. Um, and I think they help you, and especially like as, as uh, workers become even more diverse and varied, I think like increasingly we are looking to more of these, um, like, oh, like, what do you like to do, right? That's not, that's, yeah. that goes beyond just like, what did you learn in the classroom? Um, and like, what are examples of, of things that you can point to, to be able to do that? And it doesn't have to be crazy, right? Like, I don't want to incur, I don't want this to sound like, or imply that everybody now has to go start a side project. Um, but even just little things around um, building some presence online that actually allows you to, um, show up in a way because you might not have that many opportunities to like meet your potential employer in person, but they will certainly Google you. Right. And so right. what lives beyond your LinkedIn, maybe you have a personal website, maybe you have a Twitter presence. Um, maybe you're actually really great at making like a video, uh, or somebody sees that you're really good at video editing because you make TikToks on the weekends that have nothing to do with work, but like, it's like, oh, wow. Like these actually take, you know, this 30 second clip actually took, takes like two hours to make. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. So I think like there's so many more opportunities to have fun, um, and actually express, your interests in a way that conveys like different skills than there were before, which I think is awesome, right? You don't have to go right. to some interview and like ace the ace some like, you know, 10 question thing. It's like, oh, okay, like you might, you might get a coding exercise, um, but also they're gonna be really impressed by the fact that you've been doing all these random contributions to some open source software. Yeah, I think it's, it's super cool how how it's very easy to just like create things today. Like even with this podcast, it you know came out uh, out of just like random conversations and um, an urge to you know reactivate our community during the pandemic, and now it's it's grown into something much larger. Uh, but definitely, definitely second that. Yeah. Um, so awesome. Yeah, you touched a lot about you know the importance of relationship building, especially you know when working in venture capital, but in in you know in general. Um, do you have any advice for how to do that in this remote first world now? Have a sense of wanting to give before you take, I think. Um, actually, here's one that I heard that um, stays with me, which is it is like really easy and underdone to 
send like appreciation to people that you think are doing awesome things with no expectations of anything in return, right? So if you like are a huge podcast listener, find that person's email or they often say like, if you have feedback, email so this address, right? Just say like, hey, like love this episode. Um, or, or if you see somebody who like published a piece of writing, right? Just like leaving a comment even and just saying like, wow, this part really like hit home and doing it in a way that's like authentic and meaningful. Um, but it's so, it's like easy to, like everyone's like probably like probably hearing this and nodding but actually very few people do it and when you do do it it makes um it's both like really flattering for the person receiving it and also like helps you build like a connection to this person and you send ten, send call it you send 10 of them and only one person replies that's one more person that you now have a relationship with um that you than you did before and you never know where those things can go i love it that is really good advice um, cool. So we're, we're coming to the end of our time uh, here, unfortunately, but to wrap it all up, uh, if you wanted, you know, the listeners of, the, of this podcast to take away one thing from today's conversation, what would it be? Create and prioritize people. I love it. And uh, <laughs> finally, uh, where can people follow you or reach out to you? And if there's anything that you're working on or, or want to plug, feel free to do so in the next you know, 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, if anyone is listening, uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's minicat, M-I-N-N-E-Y underscore cat. Um, I think if you also just look up Min Kim with two N's, I'm pretty much the only Min Kim on the internet with two N's. Um, and then as a plug, if you are building something uh, or if anything that I said about what we're looking at at Bloomberg Beta strikes your fancy um, and you're building something in it, I absolutely would love to talk to you. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was a blast having you on the podcast. Yeah, anytime. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Grizz Tech Talks. Thanks again to Min for coming on. I had a blast recording this episode, and I hope you found it interesting too. As you may have noticed, we're in season three now, and we're re releasing episodes on an as-recorded basis. If you have any suggestions, feel free to reach out to us at grizzhacks at oakland.edu. As always, you can stay up to date with our podcast and recent Grizz Tech Talk news by visiting our social media pages and following us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, stay safe and stay curious.